Buenas and half a day to our listeners on Guam and in the CNMI. It's now time for Total Health right here on Joy FM Radio, where your questions get answered by health professionals. If you have any health-related questions, we would love to hear from you. Call your questions and comments in at 472-1111 or text or WhatsApp 686-9999. If you're in the CNMI, please call 323-1113. Welcome, everybody, to Total Health. And good afternoon and welcome to Total Health Radio. I'm Dr. Jonathan Thorpe, an internal medicine physician at the Guam Seventh-day Adventist Clinic. And I can't tell you as listeners is how excited I am to be back here with Total Health. I have had a few weeks of uh, being off island and now I'm back and uh, being able to talk about these different health topics. And today I am just overjoyed that I, we have a very, very special guest with us, Dr. Samantha Shapiro uh, from Texas. Uh, welcome, uh, Dr. Shapiro, to uh, Joy FM and to Total Health Radio. We're so glad you're here today. Hello, Dr. Thorpe. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show and inviting me to Guam. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Dr. Shapiro is a rheumatologist, and we're going to define what rheumatology and what a rheumatologist does in a moment here. She trained at the Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland, and um, is currently living in Austin, Texas, and is faculty member at the medical school in uh, University of Texas in Austin, a, a distinguished medical writer writing for prestigious journals such as The Rheumatologist and a number of different websites um, that provide health information to patients, um, a, a, a specialist when it comes to reviewing uh, charts that are very difficult with unknown and uncertain diagnosis, uh, where she will provide a secondary opinion uh, on a consultative basis. So uh, we are very thankful that you've been able to be here with us now for about three and a half weeks at the clinic here, the Guam Seventh-day Adventist Clinic, providing uh, rheumatological care to our patients. So thank you so much for, for coming and uh, for being here in Guam. Tell us, tell our audience, how did you end up here? Because Texans don't end up in Guam too often. So, so tell us how, how you ended up here. <laughs> well, I got a phone call from a friend of a friend, Dr. Thorpe. Um, you know, I uh, heard that the island of Guam did not have a rheumatologist. Dr. Thorpe was trying to find someone to help. He called a mutual friend of ours, who's another rheumatologist, who said, well, you know, I've got a full-time practice and two kids, but I know someone <laughs> who might be able to help you and she really likes to travel. So I got a phone call from Dr. Thorpe, who I really didn't know um, before this, and said, this island doesn't have a doctor. Would you be willing to come out and help? I said, well, sure. Let me just Google where Guam is. And then I came. <laughs> <laughs> and, and from what I've have heard, you've thoroughly enjoyed being here in Guam and have enjoyed the water-like uh, life uh, for, uh, in a special way. So glad that you're here. Tell us, what is rheumatology? What is a rheumatologist? So a rheumatologist is a, sub, uh, is a specialist. Um, we first do our internal medicine training, and then we do another two to three years to learn all about autoimmune and joint conditions. Now, that's a big word, autoimmune. <laughs> so can you define that? Uh, what, what does that term mean? Yeah. So your immune system is your body's army. It's what helps protect you against things that don't belong, mm -hmm. like infections. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it gets confused and it can start attacking your own body instead. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of different diseases that can happen that are autoimmune 
but rheumatologists specialize in a lot of them, especially if the immune system is attacking the joints. Wow. And, you know, I have, have as a general internist, having exposure to the different areas of, of internal medicine subspecialties, I have to say that rheumatology is one of the most challenging and one of the most interesting, too. Why do you enjoy being a rheumatologist? Well, I love rheumatology because I like puzzles. Okay. There's really nothing clear cut when it comes to rheumatology. I wish we had one blood test or, you know, that diagnosed things and it was obvious what the condition was. But for most of these diseases, we really just don't. The bread and butter is talking to people, really doing a good physical exam, and then going through, you know, a lot of the other tests that have been done, which can help as clues. But... You got to be a bit of a detective and put everything together to decide what the diagnosis is. And then you have to decide what medicines to use to treat it. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Uh, you know, lupus, which is a um, autoimmune condition which rheumatologists specialize in treating, uh, has been labeled as the great masquerader. That and tuberculosis, like it can mimic almost any other disease. And so the detective work of getting out, you know, the, the microscope in a sense and figuring out what, what are those few key words that a patient might be saying or the few physical exam findings that might point you to a diagnosis can be really rewarding. Yeah, I really enjoy it. And, you know, the other side of it is that it's a bummer that a lot of these autoimmune conditions are chronic and mm -hmm. we don't have cures for them yet, but we're working on it. But that really also enables me to have long term relationships with patients that can be really rewarding. Absolutely. A lot Absolutely. of these conditions also can affect younger women. And mm -hmm. so, you know, as a young woman myself, it's been neat to get to be their doctor. That's awesome. So uh, give um, our listeners a clue uh, for what might manifest as a, a rheumatological or an autoimmune disease, because um, it's a fairly broad spectrum. But when you think of common rheumatological or common room diseases, what uh, should patients be looking out for? When should they seek medical care? Just as kind of a general education. Yeah, so that's a tough question to answer because all the symptoms can be pretty broad. But I would say the one that really gets my attention is joint pain where the joint is red, hot, and swollen, mm -hmm. especially if it's more than just one joint. Okay. Because that makes us think about autoimmune joint pain as mm -hmm. opposed to, you know, the arthritis that happens to all of us as we get older, just from wear and tear on our bodies. Mm -hmm. So and that's called osteoarthritis, right? Yeah, exactly. osteoarthritis. And so, and we don't have good treatments for that, uh, other than just uh, um, kind of palliative pain control and and uh, kind of adapting to it. But there are other treatments available for the other types of autoimmune diseases out there. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. So today we're going to focus on the topic of gout. And I heard you say yesterday when we were talking uh, an interesting phrase, the creaky joints. Is, does gout cause creaky joints? So not, not necessarily, okay. but left untreated for a really long time, gout can do terrible damage to joints that's irreversible, and then they could get creaky. Okay, so it sounds like it's something we probably should spend a few minutes talking about because if we don't treat it, it can cause some fairly big problems. Absolutely. And I have really awesome news for our listeners. 
What's gout that? is the only kind of arthritis that is curable and should not exist. Oh, that's so exciting. So as, as listeners on the, the radio today, you can take hope in the fact that if you have been diagno- accurately diagnosed with gout, and we're going to get to that in a minute, accurately diagnosed with gout, that there is com- a possibility for complete reversal of your symptoms with appropriate therapy. That's true. That makes me really, really excited. So so let's define gout. We're going to go to break here in a few minutes' time, but let's define gout. What is gout? Okay. So gout is a special kind of arthritis mm-hmm. that falls into the category of inflammatory arthritis. Okay. Perhaps I can explain, take a step back and just explain different kinds of arthritis I think that's so a this good idea. makes sense. Sure. Arthritis is not a very helpful word. It just means that there's pain in a joint somewhere, (laughs) but it doesn't actually tell me why there is joint pain. And there are so many different causes of joint pain. So I have arthritis doesn't really tell me much about how to help you or what's wrong. Sure. I mean, yesterday I was out, I did a pretty um, aggressive workout and my knee hurt a bit. So I guess I had some arthritis. For a little bit there. Okay. Okay. Got it. But that's very different than gout or even other kinds of arthritis. Sure. So how do we tell the difference? So the most common kind of arthritis is osteoarthritis, which is just arthritis that comes from wear and tear of aging. Mm. You might think of our joints or our bodies like cars, okay? Over time, even the cars kept in the best condition ever, they're going to wear out a little bit, and sometimes they're going to need new parts or seals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a car that's had a couple accidents, like injuries, for Mm -hmm. example, Mm -hmm. might wear out a little sooner. Same goes for joints. Our bodies don't last forever, and there's wear and tear as we get older. So that's osteoarthritis. It's kind of like the uh, my bearing on the front of my car uh, that, that my mechanic said I need to replace at some point. Like that bearing is wearing out every time that it goes over a bump. And there's a lot of bumps on these roads around here uh, that there's a little bit more damage done to that bearing. And so eventually you got to replace it. So that's that. And sometimes osteoarthritis does lead to needing replacements, doesn't it? It can. Yeah. It yeah. can. Okay. So that's the most common kind. Mm. Then there's this other category, what we call inflammatory arthritis. Okay. And inflammatory arthritis is really what we're talking about when we're talking about gout. Mm. Um, and it's different. Okay. Okay. So now that we've set the stage, back to the original question, what is gout? Gout comes from too much uric acid in the body plus a little bit of bad luck. Oh, Okay. I don't like that bad luck part. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the accident when you drove down uh, the you know the, the main drive here in in uh, uh, the island of Guam and you hit that fender bender. Uh, you didn't. It was bad luck in some sense. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, but like when I say bad luck, gout more often than not is not really because it's not really your fault. It's not something that you did. Mm. You know. But what happens is there's the stuff uric acid and all humans have it. And it doesn't actually do anything positive for us. It's just in our bodies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as we get older, our levels of uric acid go up just as a normal part of aging because our kidneys get less good at getting rid of it. Mm -hmm. Once you have high uric acid levels, they could just be high for the rest of your life and you could never get gout. Mm. You'd be a really lucky person. Mm. But sometimes when your uric acid levels are high and you get that bad luck... The uric acid can turn into crystals that Mm. go Mm. to the joints 
and it hurts. Yeah. Okay. So why does that hurt? So the crystals themselves actually aren't really what's hurting you. It's your body's immune system, the cleanup system that's trying to get rid of stuff that doesn't belong, that goes in there and says, holy moly, what are those crystals doing in the joint? They don't belong in there. I need to get rid of them. And the immune system comes in. It's just doing its job. It's getting rid of what doesn't belong. So it starts putting all of this, you know, all of this... Um, stuff on the crystals to dissolve them and get rid of it and that causes inflammation Uh, and that is actually what causes that terrible excruciating came out of nowhere pain in gout okay so wow that's that and that just sounds painful thinking about it we're going to take a moment here for a break here on total health and we'll be back in just a couple minutes Turn a corner and listen. Make a U-turn and hear. We're in your corner and on the air. We're with you when your car takes a turn and when life does the same. Our message will still point to the God who walks with you when it seems no one else will. So, the next time you use your turn signal, remember the God we serve. Remember, God takes each turn with you. He goes where you go. We can too. Joy FM, family-friendly radio. and thanks for listening to Total Health on Joy FM. We want to- when dark days arrive with no advance warning, there is a God who brings light because He promised. When breathing seems the hardest thing you will do today, there is a God who offers purpose and hope. When you want to give up and struggle to go on, there is God. He says you can go on. He says He will be with you. He says His love for you is limitless. If you believe this, really believe, you may be left to wonder, wouldn't this kind of news change perspective? Alter futures? Improve life? It can. It will. It does. This is the biggest news, the greatest message, the most important thing you could ever share. And we'll be here to help you share it. Eternity matters. Joy FM, family friendly radio. Thanks for listening to Total Health on Joy FM. We want to hear from you. Call in with your health related questions at 472 1111. In Guam or in the CNMI, the number to call is 323-1113. Text or WhatsApp us at 686-9999. And now, back to the show. And welcome back to Total Health here at Joy FM. We really hope that someone will pick up the phone and give us a call here. We want to have some questions from our listeners. So please pick up the phone here in Guam. Dial us at 671-472-1111. In the CMNI, uh, 670-323-1113. You can also text WhatsApp or signal us at 671-686-9999. And we hope that we will uh, receive uh, several really good questions uh, from our listeners today about the topic of arthritis, but specifically gout here that we talk about. Before we went to break, we were talking about how that uric acid 
kind of goes to that one or two joints and all of a sudden the immune system says, ah, this is the wrong place for that to be. And it sends in a bunch of cells and, and then hits these, those uh, signaling pathways. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like you're on the radio, the telephone, on texting and say, hey, friends, get over here and help me clear out this enemy out of my joint. And the immune system goes in and attacks that joint and it becomes red, hot, and inflamed. I'm told, I actually haven't had the chance to look at it myself, but under a microscope, gout crystals look like needles. They do. And they feel like needles from when the patients have told me too. That is also true. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're, we're talking about the mechanism of gout. So that, that immune system locks in and says something's not right here. So yeah. keep walking us through what gout is. Yeah. So higher acid levels, bad luck. You get gout crystals, they're in the joint, immune system comes in to clean them up. Now, gout, your first gout flare and all gout flares are incredibly painful, okay? And what happens is you're totally fine and then out of nowhere, maybe in the middle of the night or in the span of an hour, suddenly your joint, whether it's your big toe or your knee or a different joint, is so red hot and swollen that you can barely touch it. Mm. You can't walk on it. It even hurts to have a sheet graze over it. Mm. So extremely tender. Extremely tender. So the immune system's in there. It's causing inflammation to dissolve those crystals. Mm -hmm. And if you did absolutely nothing about your gout, didn't take any medicines, didn't see anyone, your immune system actually would clear up those crystals in about... Anywhere from three to seven days. Wow. And the flare would go away on its own. Okay. And that would be that. And okay. then you would go back to your life and you would feel just fine. Mm -hmm. However, if, you know, you can get another gout flare and that time the flare might be longer. Okay. And then after that, once you've had two flares a year, you know, your gout's really showing us that it's not going away. And by that point, we should get you on some medications to keep the flares from happening. Because what happens is, as you continue to get more gout flares, they're going to last for longer. They might involve more than one joint. So they're getting their longer flares, their worse flares. And that period in between where you feel totally normal, it's going to shrink. And... If you leave this untreated, it can get to the point where you're just chronically in a gout flare all the time mm. with lots of painful red and swollen mm. joints. Mm. It's really nasty and it's totally unnecessary because we have treatments for it. So now there, there may be some areas of our listening audience that don't have access to a primary care for, uh, provider and they said, you know what? I get these episodes every few weeks or months where I have a really tender, painful joint is there things that can be done to prevent the onset and lower that risk for bad luck? Um, and even if you have gout, that can be done to lower the likelihood of a future gout attacks. Yeah. So, you know, there's some things that you can do if you don't have access to a doctor or someone who can prescribe medications. So, you know, when I think about trying to prevent getting gout in the first place, um, things you can do are maintaining a healthy weight and active lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And that Ma helps with almost every disease too. It really does. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, if you maintain a healthy weight and healthy lifestyle, the chances of you getting other things that are, can increase your risk for gout, like high blood pressure, kidney disease, um, being overweight or obese, 
those are also going to go down too. So mm-hmm. number one is keeping a healthy weight, um, staying active, and eating a healthy diet. It's kind of like that ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure that we Absolutely. keep saying over and over here on Total Health, whether it be about heart disease or depression or you know diabetes, where we there's many things that choices we make every day. You know, I've heard the saying, the saying is the the most important decision you have every day is what you put past your front teeth. You know, what you choose to put in your body will result in the diabetes, will result in heart disease, will result in um, chronic kidney disease, and I could go down a long list, including gout. So eating predominantly a plant-based diet, the more plants, the better uh, for the most part. And you think about the island diet, you know, not the current island diet, but I'm talking about 100 years ago, 200 years ago, it would have been the the, um, mangoes papayas predominantly throughout the different seasons, pineapple possibly, depending on which island, Um, a lot of the uh, fish from the ocean, um, a lot of root vegetables like uh, the sweet potatoes or um, the delicious, I'm blanking the name of sweet potato and the other root vegetable. Yucca? uh, Not yucca. Um, Taro, I just had Ah. some yesterday. I'm forgetting the name, but really delicious. So those types of food will help prevent all these chronic diseases, including gout. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's one of definitely the best thing you can do in terms of prevention. Mm-hmm. Now, there are certain circumstances where you've just done the best you could, but you end up with gout anyways, because there is that bad luck component. Sure. So, you know, let's say that you got a gout flare and you don't have easy access to a doctor. What can you do to help yourself get better? So, um, hopefully, if you have access to just over-the-counter medicines, mm-hmm. Advil or Aleve are anti-inflammatories that will help knock out that gout flare, okay? So those will help speed it up. And the sooner you start an anti-inflammatory, the better it'll be for your gout flare. So I will just add as a caveat, because we have a very broad listening audience here, we need to be careful about those drugs too. Let's say you have chronic kidney disease. Um, or heart disease, both, and even liver disease to a certain extent, you need to be careful about taking those medications. Right. That's so, a very great point. Again, best to be done in supervision under the direction of a physician. And I want to be very clear, we are offering general medical advice here. We are not diagnosing and or treating anyone over the radio. We can't do that. Right. Uh, but just general principles so that if you're no, nowhere near a physician and you haven't been told that you can't use it, ibuprofen or its equivalent would be an option to treat it. How many days typically for ibuprofen would you need to take? Uh, probably about five to seven. Five but to seven again, days. the key is that the first sign or feeling, that little twinge that you're getting a gout flare... Starting the medicine right away will help because it'll, you know, um, what happens is the crystals are in the joint and the immune cells come in to clean it up. So early on, there's only a couple immune cells in there and Mm. you take an anti-inflammatory and it'll make them go away. Mm. But let's say you're two days in. Well, now the immune cells have invited their whole family and their friends (laughs) and they've decided to throw a party and it's a lot harder to get rid of them all. So at the first sign of flare... The sooner you take the medicine, the quicker you'll get better. Sure, sure, sure. So let's say um, that a, uh, a listener did have access to the physician. Walk us through some of the prescription drugs that might be available for treatment of, of gout. Yeah. Um, what are the indications for taking them? What are some of the benefits and side effects and you know some of those different principles that we might uh, need to look at for each drug? Yeah. So... 
the best way I can possibly explain this is that gout is like a man or woman carrying a big bathtub full of uric acid on their head. No, 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 just a, you're, you're saying you want me to imagine walking around with a bathtub that I might um, go and bathe in, but putting that bathtub on my head and having it figuratively filled up with uric acid. That's the visual picture I should be creating. That is the visual okay. picture. I, I'm following you. I'm, let's, let's take it <laughs> to the next step here. <laughs> okay. So that bathtub is full of uric acid. And every time the uric acid splashes out of the bathtub, we're going to call that a gout flare. Okay. okay. You do not want it to splash out the so it's tub. It's kind of like my two-year-old going crazy in the bathtub and water is going over the edge. That's a gout flare on this, this proverbial bathtub. Exactly. Okay. okay. So if water splashing on the floor is a gout flare, how do you think we might be able to prevent the flares from happening? Well... There's two medicines we're going to use, okay? The first is called allopurinol. Uh-huh. And that medicine is like putting a hole in the bottom of the bathtub so that the uric acid level can drain uh, out. All I want to say is I want that hole to be really big to get that <laughs> uric acid out of that bathtub. <laughs> exactly. And we've got to get the uric acid down low enough so okay. that there's well, the level is so low that you couldn't possibly splash it out. Got it, got it, got and it. And that magic level is below 6.0. Okay. So in other words, when you see your doctor, you might have an access to your lab reports and you know you have a history of gout, and you have that level of eight or nine or 10, and you're like, Doc, are you sure that this isn't low enough? I heard somewhere that needs to be less than? Six. Six, so just remember six, folks. Six is the number you wanna be for gout. Gout, you got five fingers on one hand, just imagine five plus one. Six is the number we wanna be at or less for that uric acid level. Absolutely. And, and allopurinol is our secret to getting that number down. Allopurinol is the secret. Now. There's a very important point I need to make here, okay. and this is not necessarily well understood by all general practice doctors, but I'm here on this island to spread the word <laughs> about how to actually adjust the dose of allopurinol so it can help people. In other words, this is not a one prescription, leave it and never come back to it. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. I can't tell you how many patients I've seen with gout since I've been here whose doctors are trying to help them, so they start- Doing their best. They're doing their best. Yeah. And they start allopurinol 100 milligrams. The baby which, dose. Which is the starting dose. That's yeah. where you have to start. But honestly, I have never seen one human being actually get their gout <laughs> controlled on a dose of 100 milligrams. It's just not enough. Yeah. The average full-grown adult needs probably anywhere from 300 to 500 milligrams wow. a day to actually get the uric acid levels below six, okay. low enough, so the water can't splash out the tub. Okay. So again, we just to summarize, we have this bathtub of uric acid on our head, and that uh, occasionally, for whatever reason, the food we ate, we drank some alcohol over the weekend, and that, that splash comes over the edge, and I've got an inflamed, tender heart joint, which is the gout attack. But if we get that number less than, what is it, six, um, that we will be able to help prevent the gout attacks from reoccurring in the future. Okay, I think we're at a very good breaking point right now. We're going to come back and we're going to talk more about how to pair um, allopurinol with a different medication you can ask your doctor about. Um, and we'll be back in just a minute to discuss that and a few other exciting things about gout.
you didn't plan on hearing what's about to be said, but God did. You can be forgiven. What you've done doesn't need to be the end of the story. There's a way that doesn't move you back, but leads you forward. Walk with God and you will find the forgiveness you need, the hope you thought was for someone else, and a love you've refused because you were certain it wasn't deserved. You need the details. We share them. Joy FM, family-friendly radio. Joy FM, with a word made fresh. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. America was stunned when John F. Kennedy was shot. We followed every moment when Princess Diana died. Do we stand in equal awe when considering that God created life itself? Glory, power, majesty, splendor. He is the God over everything. Even the front page news can't compare. Do we believe it? Do we show it? How can this knowledge impact our response to Him? Everything is His. And He's amazing. Joy FM, family-friendly radio. JoyFMRadio.net Welcome back. You're listening to Total Health on Joy FM. Call in with your health-related questions to 472-1111 in Guam. If you live in the CNMI, we want to hear from you too. Call 323-1113. Or text or WhatsApp us at 686-9999. And now, here's more Total Health. Welcome back to Total Health. I'm Dr. Jonathan Thorpe, an internal medicine physician at the Guam Seventh-day Adventist Clinic, and I'm thrilled to have as my guest today Dr. Shapiro, a rheumatologist um, who is visiting us here for one month. And we are talking about the topic of gout. And just to kind of catch everyone up on the conversation, in case you're just joining us, we're talking about gout, which is the only, only fully treatable and reversible type of arthritis um, that we may experience as humans. And arthritis, to define that, is an inflammation of a joint. And gout is caused by an, a pesky little crystal called uric acid that forms these crystals in our joints that um, combination of diet and as Dr. Shapiro has described as bad luck and that bad luck could be dropping something on your toe and as a trigger some trauma or something else that causes inflammation and sets off that cascade of, of uh, the gout crystal coming together. The immune system attacks it. It causes all that pain and we're talking about how to treat it and we're thinking about this big bathtub of uric acid on our head and how do we drain the bathtub. And we've gotten down to the hole in the bottom of that bathtub is called allopurinol which is a prescription medication and the importance of getting that medication up high enough to get the level low enough. So that's kind of a catch-up 30 minutes in one minute there. Did I do an okay job with that? That was pretty good. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, so now we have the allopurinol on board. Let's say this is someone who's taking allopurinol for the first time. Is that enough? So 100 milligrams, the starting dose, is unlikely to be enough for any grown person. Okay. It's, you know, it's just not a high enough dose to get the uric acid blood levels down below 6 which is where you need them to be so that crystals can't form. Okay. 
if you're on allopurinol but your uric acid level is higher than six, well, it's kind of like you're not even taking it at all because the water's still too high in the bathtub. You can still have splashes. Sure. And I want to make it a point because there, there are some health professionals working here listening too that there's been a significant shift in how we treat gout within the last 12 months. And we, we've gone from a either treat to kind of symptoms like, oh, yeah, you know, they're not having too many gout attacks a year. You're okay. To now to this treat to target approach where you're really aiming to get it less than six. Is that correct? That's the professional recommendation? Absolutely. So the American College of Rheumatology mm-hmm. has done extensive studies and has been updating guidelines. And the guideline is absolutely, if you have two or more gout flares in a year, you should be on lifelong urate-lowering therapy. And we need to adjust that in order to get the uric acid less than 6.0. Okay. This is a departure from the American College of Physician guidelines from 2017, which I'll be honest, the American College of Rheumatology never agreed with. <laughs> I we still that. don't. <laughs> and we have a lot of data to prove that that prior suggested approach was just not really helping people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was a bit of a technical side note for, for those who are listening uh, of the noting the change in the recommendations. So we need to get less than six. We need to up, increase the, the allopurinol medication or that quotes hole in the bottom of the bathtub to drain that uric acid out. How often should someone get their gout level checked or their uric acid level checked? Great question. So this is how it's going to go. You're going to get started on allopurinol 100 milligrams. It's totally not going to be enough. Okay. Uh So four weeks later, you're going to come back and have a uric acid blood test and you're going to see how much of a dent that allopurinol 100 made. Let's say you started at a uric acid level of 10 and now you're down to nine. Well, that's progress, but is it less than six? No. No. (laughs) So can the uric acid still splash out the bathtub? Yes. Yes, okay, so we need to increase the dose and we're gonna go up by another 100. Okay. So now our dose is allopurinol 200 milligrams. Another month goes by, you go back, you get a blood test. Well, where are we at now? Well, now, Dr. Thorpe, we're at seven. Yay, we're making progress. We're That's not at good. six eight. We're not, we're making progress, but we can still have splashes. It's not good enough. Yeah. Okay, you can yeah. still have flares. So we're going to up the dose again. Now we're at 300 milligrams, and four weeks later, come back. And guess what? Now our uric acid level is at 5.5. Yes. We are high fiving. Yay, there we go. You cannot see us. Okay. So I just want to make a couple notes. This is not something you do on your own. You do it under the supervision of a physician who's watching lab numbers and also watching for side effects of the allopurinol. We're going to get to that in a few minutes of, of, of potential uh, reactions from this drug. Um, but we want to aim for that six. We want to increase it fairly frequently to prevent the long-term effects on the joints. Got it. So what about now? Now there is still these splashes. We need to add. Do we need to add something in to help prevent these splashes yes. from occurring? Okay, so this is another part that is frequently what's missing from Mm -hmm. gout care here on the island, but also all over the world. Yeah. And it's that when you first start treatment for gout, you actually need two medications, Mm. not just one. Mm. So number one, allopurinol is the hole in the bottom of the bathtub. The second medicine is going to be a lid. Oh, so we're gonna tie. We're gonna cover that bathtub with something. Yes. Okay. We're gonna cover the top of the bathtub like a little Tupperware, okay, uh-huh. to prevent the splashes from happening. Like while it. we are adjusting our allopurinol dose and while we're draining out the water. Okay. Okay. And what's that medication called? 
That medication is called colchicine. Okay. So colchicine typically is paired with allopurinol when we start treatment for gout. Exactly. Okay. Colchicine is just one pill a day and it's the lid. All it does is going to prevent gout flares while we're working on finding your magic allopurinol dose that gets the level of uric acid below six for you. And Dr. Shapiro, you're the first uh, physician who's ever told me this analogy of the bathtub. And I have to say, I've been studying gout on and off in different forms for 15 years and it makes sense all of a sudden. Like, I will never forget this word picture of you have a bathtub on your head and in this bathtub is uric acid and we need to drain it, but it's going to splash and slosh and all of a sudden come over the edge of the bathtub and be while we're draining it with allopurinol, we have to prevent the splashes by putting a lid on top of the um, container and by, and that, that lid is called colchicine. Now, again, this has to be done under the supervision of a physician because there are some contraindications uh, to colchicine. What might be some of those contraindications? Like when should you not take yeah. colchicine, just in general terms? <clears throat> so colchicine is not a great drug if you have severe kidney disease. Mm-hmm. So that would be one of them. Mm-hmm. But that's actually really the only one I can think of. Yeah, if you okay. have bad kidney disease, colchicine's not a choice. But there's another option that can be used as a lid instead uh-huh. if you're unable to take colchicine. Uh-huh. And that's called prednisone, I think, right? Exactly. So a low dose of prednisone. And the good thing is our body makes a form of prednisone anyways. So you're not allergic to it. You don't have to worry about, at least on low doses for short periods of time, about bad side effects for the body, like your bones thinning and you know developing uh, it's, diabetes. It's I a mean, very it's, low dose. It's a very low be dose. Used. Well below any threshold that would cause those complications. So, so listen. Again, keys to gout, number one, recognizing it. So you've got a red, hot, inflamed joint. You ha- and that's in the context of, you know, at, at some point in time, having an elevated uric acid level. The clinical diagnosis is made, and by all means, working to, you know, reduce risk by making those lifestyle modifications, preventing all the lifestyle-related diseases, and getting on appropriate treatment because gout is the only reversible type of arthritis that we have uh, to treat uh, completely. Now, when I say reversible, Jonathan, Mm -hmm. I'm even talking about the really, really, really bad gout that some of your friends or family members or listeners out there might have, where it's so bad that you're starting to see these big, kind of balls on your knuckles or on your elbows or toes and those balls might even look like they have some white chalky stuff in them. Yeah, yeah. So that white chalky stuff is actually uric acid. There's Mm. so much of it because you've had untreated gout for so long that it's not just in your joints. Now it's building up underneath the skin. Wow, wow. And that's really bad and that's painful. But even people who are have had it for so long and it's that severe. Yeah. Even those people this cocktail of medicines can dissolve that uric acid no way. over no time. Way. Yes, it's wow. reversible. It'd probably take about two years to get it all to dissolve, wow. but I've seen it happen. That's I have done so this. so awesome. <laughs> that you Those big knobby kind of growths on the bones. And the, the technical term is called tophi. Um, so those tophi, those big knobby um, outgrowths of uric acid depositions can go away. 
and you may have to take colchicine and allopurinol for that whole two to three year time while you get those dissolved. Yes. Yeah. We share a mutual patient you just saw the other day and I was, I, I have to admit, I didn't even pick up the gout one. I thought it was all rheumatoid arthritis and, and, and you gave me credit saying, no, it was both and you had it in your know, but I didn't put enough weight on the fact that this was actually majority was gout. She did have rheumatoid arthritis, but also had gout, but had these big knobby growths off the joints. And so I'm so thankful that we have identified it and we're, the treatment is ongoing um, and that we're going to hopefully reverse and get the joints back to a normal appearance other than some changes from the rheumatoid uh, that, that may have occurred. So a very exciting moment uh, in the clinic uh, uh, that day. So, so we've talked about the importance of dual medications. Um, let's start talking about uh, and discussing the risks of allopurinol. It's actually yeah. a fairly safe drug. Really, um, is. we're gonna have to break here in a couple minutes. But tell, talk us through and tell us about yeah. the risk we need to watch out for. So allopurinol really is a very safe drug, but just like any medication, some people are allergic to it. And there can be a pretty severe drug allergy that can happen, which is why we start at a low dose and then slowly increase it over time because okay. that decreases the chances of the allergy happening. Mm. The number one thing I tell people to look out for when they start this medicine is a bad rash. Okay. Like a rash suddenly, you know, covering your entire body. Okay. Not like I got a mosquito bite or yeah, I'm a little yeah, itchy. Yeah, yeah. Like all of a sudden my whole body broke out in a rash. In that case, stop your allopurinol and call your doctor right away to talk about okay. it. Okay. So that's really the, the biggest one we need to look out for. Okay. And if I understand correctly, we, uh, that that chronic kidney disease, which is very common on the island because of all the mi- metabolic um, lifestyle-related diseases we, we deal with, uh, increases the risk for that? It does. So if you have chronic kidney disease, then we'll go even slower, increasing our allopurinol dose. We'll actually start lower. We'll start at 50 milligrams, and then we'll up the dose by 50 milligrams every month as opposed to 100, Mm. just to keep an extra close eye on those people. But it's important to note, allopurinol is not going to make your kidney function worse. This is another thing that, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago doctors thought that, but that's just not true. We have evidence (laughs) that it does not make kidneys worse. In fact, it might actually help your kidneys because uric acid, not only can it clog up your joints, not only can it clog up your skin, but it actually can get clogged up in the kidneys too. Wow, amazing. So in other words, it, it, it... just emphasize the importance of getting below that 6.0 number with the uric acid in our body. We're going to be back here in a couple minutes to finish up Total Health. We're so glad you're joining us today. Please call in and ask your questions for Dr. Shapiro. What does a water glass, stapler, and hovercraft have in common? nothing we're aware of then again there may be a story there somewhere your story has a lot of connections that make no sense to other people they do to the god we talk about he knows where you come from what you've endured and what you need most that may not look like the connections of anyone else who listens here when you support us you help forge links between the connected and disconnected joy fm family friendly radio When I was a kid, the thing I wanted to be most was the one with the cool orange belt, the crossing guard, the one who held back traffic as the other kids crossed the street. What power! 
It starts early. That desire to be in control begins when we're kids, and it never really stops. However, you don't get to be a crossing guard unless someone gives you that authority. Now, today, when all of life seems like one out-of-control thing or another, remember, God has given you the authority to handle it. The Bible says that He has given authority to His disciples, to His children. You can say, in the name of my Father, God, I have authority to overcome this thing that's bugging me. You have the Crossing Guard orange belt, and even more, the Crossing Guard yellow vest, and the Crossing Guard red stop sign, and the Crossing Guard shiny silver whistle. God said with Him you can move mountains, so stop worrying about trying to stop traffic. With Him you can do it. Encouragement from Joy FM. Family Friendly Radio, joyfmradio.net. And we're back with more Total Health. Give us a call with your medical questions. Number to call in Guam is 472-1111. If you're in the seat of mind, the number to call is 323-1113. Or you can text or WhatsApp us at 686-9999. Now back to the program. Thank you so much for joining us here this afternoon on Total Health Radio. And I'm just so thankful, Dr. Shapiro, for, for painting this word picture to make gout so understandable for me and so many other people. And um, for those of us, those of you who are just joining us now in the last few minutes of our program, we've been talking about gout and specifically how to treat it. And um, and looking at different, talking about the different medications that we use to treat it so there's good understanding. Dr. Shapiro? Keep, tell, keep telling us the story here. <laughs> so, you know, we're starting to wrap up with the gout here, but I realize there's one really important thing that I want to make sure everybody knows, okay? A lot of the time, patients come to me and they say, Doc, my doctor put me on allopurinol and it made my gout worse. I'm never taking that medicine again. <laughs> it, I'm allergic to it. It caused me problems. So, the reason that allopurinol will make your gout worse if you just start it by itself is because you forgot the lid, okay? And when you start allopurinol without that second medicine, it's kind of a rocky road. It's like you're jumping up and down with that bathtub and the splashes are going to happen. So yeah, you're right. Your doctor started allopurinol without colchicine, without the lid, and yeah, it did make your gout worse. <laughs> that is what happens. It's not that you're allergic to it. No, it's not that you're allergic to allopurinol. actually doing And its, it's job. not that allopurinol makes yeah. gout worse. Yeah. It says that your doctor forgot to put on the lid. Okay, okay? okay. so and may not give even it forgotten. a chance. Let, give let's it a give chance. it the doctor the, the benefit of the doubt. May have not known that you need to put it on because this is not a commonly True. understood part of the treatment guideline for this. I work with many very well-trained, excellent physicians and the knowledge and understanding that we have to put that lid on the on the um, bathtub on our head filled with uric acid, to use that word imagery, uh, is not known. So so just gently remind your doc, say, doc, I, I heard a really good gout talk on the radio and I think I need two medications. Can you please double check the guidelines or something along that line to, to make sure that the treatment is adequate? Now, I have another question. Does uric acid being elevated itself, does that require allopurinol treatment? Excellent question. The answer is no, okay? <laughs> so look, all of us are going to get elevated uric acid as we get older. It's just mm -hmm. what happens. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean every person walking around with uric acid level higher than six has gout. Okay. Because gout is high uric acid plus this gout story of pain. Mm. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, red hot, swollen, painful joint, mm. got better by itself after five days. Yeah. 
and then, you know, a month or two later, it happened again. So you have to have hyaluric acid and the story. Okay. The actual only way to 100% diagnose gout is by sticking a needle in a joint, sucking the fluid out, and then looking at that fluid under the microscope to actually see the uric acid crystals in there. Mm -hmm. But... Well, it's not that fun to do that. It's not necessarily that nice. And not every doctor knows how to do that procedure. So a lot of the time, if you have high uric acid and you have a story that was just a slam dunk for gout, it's not needed to make a gout diagnosis. But if you don't have a slam dunk story and you just have elevated uric acid... It's probably not gout. Sure. And you don't need to be on allopurinol for just a higher acid level. That's just part of getting older. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, it's important that we catch this um, disease, gout, and treat it not only for our joints, but there's also data to suggest that a gout attack um, precedes or maybe even causes, I'll help me understand the mechanism, uh, for a heart attack in the future or a stroke. Am I correct in, in saying that? Or is it a, there's a loose association, I should say. Right. So it's not that gout will cause a heart attack. It's just that we know that gout is almost, you know, it's lumped into that category of of metabolic diseases that you were talking about that come from diet and exercise lifestyle choices. Mm-hmm. So things like high blood pressure, coronary artery disease, strokes, kidney disease, Gout is in that family in Mm -hmm. terms of if you've got gout, your risk of that other stuff is going up as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they're just all interconnected. And we're starting to do more studies to say, well, like, well, what if I don't have any of that other stuff? What if all I have is gout? Mm -hmm. Does that also actually increase my risk of heart disease? Mm -hmm. Well, it might. Mm -hmm. So, you know, aside from the fact that gout flares stink and no one should have to have them, there's other reasons to get your gout under good control, too. Sure, sure, sure. I want to pause. We're going to just touch base on a couple other arthritis very briefly, but we did have a caller call in to ask an important question. It's not related to gout. It's not related to arthritis, but I do want to address it because um, it is valid. The question is, can we overdose on potassium? Um, so do you want to take it? Do you want me to take it? You go ahead. Okay, so the, the, the answer is yes, you can overdose on potassium. So potassium is um, absolutely essential for our nerves and our body. I mean, potassium and sodium um, regulate the conduction of electricity down the little fibers called nerves in our body. And without an adequate level, of, uh, a high enough level of potassium, the nerves don't work. But at the same time, too high of potassium can also cause a lot of havoc, particularly on your heart. So it's vitally important that you take any potassium supplements as prescribed um, to maintain a normal potassium level. And if you have chronic kidney disease or you're on dialysis, you need to be avoiding high potassium foods. And I hate to break the news, things like avocados and mangoes have a lot of potassium in it. So you need to be careful with how much you're eating if you have a history of high potassium. So we're going to leave that uh, question there. Hopefully that answers the question for our listener. Thank you for sending it in. Dr. Shapiro, let's talk about uh, rapid fire, different types of arthritis. So we've talked about gout, the reversible, completely treatable type of arthritis. Talk us through briefly some of the other inflammatory types of arthritis and maybe specifically what signs and symptoms people should look out to afford to seek medical care. Yeah. So gout's the most common kind of inflammatory arthritis. It affects 3% of the population. Actually, I take that back. It's not 3%. It's higher now. We have new studies. It's like 6%. Might even be higher out here. 
Um, so the other ones are way less common, but mm. they are autoimmune conditions like rheumatoid arthritis okay. or psoriatic arthritis, which is psoriasis with painful swollen joints. Mm-hmm. Lupus can do it too. Mm-hmm. Um, those are much, much less common, but we start to think about those when you've got red hot, tender, swollen joints and they're not going away. Okay. Okay. So gout comes out of nowhere, five, seven days, gets better on its own. Right. But those other ones, it kind of, you know, it's slowly building up over time. Over, you know, a couple weeks, you're starting to notice your joint hurts. Now it's red. Now it's swollen. Now it feels stiff. Well, now maybe there's some other joints involved too. Mm-hmm. And it's been going on for more than six weeks, yeah. and it's not going away. Yeah. And maybe some days feel better than others, but still, there's just this persistent pain and swelling. Mm-hmm. It could be time to see your doctor and get evaluated, you know, to see if any of those other kinds of inflammatory arthritis are a concern. Because the treatment for those is very different than the treatment for gout, and it's very different than just run-of-the-mill osteoarthritis of aging. Mm-hmm. And the osteoarthritis of aging tends to be more painful at the end of the day after you've used your joints. That's the typical association, whereas the inflammatory arthritises are worse when you haven't used them. So when you wake up in the morning, oh, my joints are stiff, and oh, do they ever ache. And that to us as physicians, there's a like a kind of that ding, 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 ding probably inflammatory, then we have to start asking questions. Is this rheumatoid arthritis? Is this psoriatic arthritis? Is it lupus-associated arthritis? Is it inflammatory bowel disease-associated arthritis? Is it an infectious cause of arthritis? (laughs) I mean, there's many different arthritis that we're not going to bore you with. You come to us. We'll help you with the diagnosis of those. Um, I want to ask, though, for for, um, uh, psoriatic arthritis and Mm -hmm. psoriasis, is that treatable? So it is. Okay. It really is. And I have seen a lot of people on this island with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. So psoriasis is um, its an autoimmune skin rash that can really be very severe. 30% of people who have psoriasis can also get this inflammatory joint pain from it. And we call mm-hmm. it psoriatic arthritis. Okay. Both psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis are very, very, very treatable. We've got something like... I think something like 15 FDA-approved medications by this point. A lot of them are injections. Mm -hmm. A lot of them might be a bit expensive and might take some finagling with your insurance to get approval of them. But I've written tons of these prescriptions. And, you know, with a little bit of grit from your doctors filling out paperwork for the insurance companies... These medicines are accessible here and can really be life-changing. So if you're told that, oh, you have um, psoriasis, oh, just go spend time out in the sun, that's the only treatment we can get. That's really not good advice. No, that is absolutely not good advice. There are so many medicines that make clear skin a realistic goal. Okay. So in other words, there's, there's hope for those listeners who have rheumatoid arthritis. There's hope for those who have psoriatic arthritis. And there's definitely hope and complete reversal of the um, gout-associated arthritis. I have learned so much uh, today. This has been such a fun conversation with you, Dr. Shapiro. Thank you for for coming all the way from Texas here to Guam uh, to 
uh, share your knowledge, to share your compassion and your care um, for our patients here in Guam. And I want to um, hint at the fact, it's not confirmed, but Dr. Shapiro will probably be coming back in a few months. So if you have an arthritis, this is an unpaid public service announcement here. Um, she will be probably coming back, call the clinic uh, to ask to be placed on the waiting list to see the rheumatologist here later this year um, or early next year when she returns. Um, we wish each of you all the best, and I look forward to joining you again in the future to talk about your health here on Total Health Radio. Have a wonderful evening. Be sure to check with your doctors before making any sudden life changes discussed today. Total Health is brought to you in partnership with Guam Seven-Day Adventist Clinic, where health is their mission. We look forward to seeing you next Wednesday. Thank you and see Jewish Masi for listening to Total Health right here on Joy FM.